Hello and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy uh, here with you at the beginning of Monday, October 26th of 2020. And we'd like to welcome all of our listeners that are tuning in in this moment from wherever you're tuning in. We are so grateful that you can share this precious time uh, with us together studying the Word of God. We pray that you have had a good weekend with your families, and we pray that you have gotten some rest. And as we begin another week of this podcast, always with an expectation that God has something fresh for us. We pray that you have been blessed in this series that we've been over the last few weeks uh we pray and, and and we thank you uh uh for for being with us as we have been in this journey as Paul goes into Athens before we we get started on our podcast i do want to uh take a moment to to pray today um uh we would like to take up to prayer there are some uh fires that are going on uh in orange county in that area uh these are wind-driven fires, what makes it very dangerous. And we have read a little bit of the article of the news that say that over 60,000 people are being evacuated right now as we speak, as these fires are going in. But in particularly, we, we want to pray for all the people there, their safety. And, and But we also want to include today... Uh, Brother Marty uh, and Sister Debbie, your 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 um, your niece and your nephew, uh, Brittany and Bryce. We want to lift them up today because I I believe they live in around that that area, right, Brother Marty? Yes, and, that's uh, right. We, and we want to lift them up that God they have children and so they're experiencing it, and so uh, you know as brothers in 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 the Lord, uh, whenever one of our family members there, you know we we feel that burden, and today we want to join. Uh, uh, Brother Marty and, and his family in, in prayer for uh, Bryce and Brittany, their family, and all the rest of the people as these fires yeah. are literally uh, uh, have a hold of that county right now and, and the disasters and the dangers that hurt. I mean, let me tell you something. If you've never been in a situation like that, it's uh, um, it's something that uh, it's scary. <laughs> you know, it's frightful, you know, yeah. uh, to be that close and so we, we want to pray. We want to be sensitive today as right before we go into our, our study and our podcast, we want to take a moment to pray for them. So would you join me today, Father? We thank you, Lord, once again, Lord, for this body of believers, Lord, that are tuning in together with us, Lord. We are believing God today, this moment, as we have heard God of what is taking place right now in the area of Orange County in California the fires that are wind-driven right now that has forced over 60,000 evacuees right now, God. And so we are praying right now, God. Only you know, God, everything, and we are placing the people, God, in your hands. Specifically, we want to pray today for Bryce. We want to pray for Brittany and the children that you're, we plead the blood of Jesus over their family, over their children, that you would protect them, God, Lord, and, and help them. Not just them, Lord, but all the families involved, God, and all the things that are taking place right now, the chaos, the the urgency right now in which people are feel right now. We just pray. Father, we know and we have to be honest, Lord. We understand that these fires are not just fires. We know that all of this is is, is just 
what what's happening in our really in this state, Lord, in the judgments that have begun. But God, we pray for your children. We pray that you you shield us, God, and and you help us in this hour. We pray for the firemen, the people, Lord, that yes. are risking their lives to save others, God. For the paramedics, the doctors, Lord, the police, Lord, working together, cohesive, that even in this, Lord God, that you would give them the grace for one another, you know, to simply do what we are called to do, and that is to love our neighbor, God, and to minister to our communities, God, that in all of this, Lord, that the community of Orange County will come together, God, and see God glorified and lifted up, Lord, even in the midst of chaos. Even in the midst of all of these things, Lord, the preservation of a family, Lord, God, is what we ask, God. Things we can lose, we can gain, but a family, Lord, that's who we pray for, the fathers, the mothers, the children, God, that, God, that you would have mercy on the people there. And we pray this in the name of your precious son, Jesus Christ, and we say amen and amen. Praise amen. the Lord. Amen. Joining us today in our po- in our podcast, in our in our panel is Brother Marty and Brother Fernando. And as always, it's a pleasure to be able to study the Word of God together. So, Brother Marty, on this Monday, as we continue our journey, we're hoping to make it this week all the way to Athens. <laughs> and uh, yeah. it, looks like it's, it looks like this one-day uh, journey has taken two weeks, but all for the good. Amen. We've been learning and, and seeing different aspects of how the Holy Spirit was dealing with the church at the beginning and all the trials they went through and all the the ways the enemy tried to bring division, right, among the apostles yeah. and, and, and distorting the doctrine of Jesus. Amen. The doctrine. That's the doctrine of the apostles is the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's what the yeah. enemy tried to do to dissuade the people. But thank God that God has his servants, and, and, and I really thank God on a personal level as a student of the Word of God, Brother Marty, for all the things that personally I've been I've been able to learn and, and really yeah. grab more understanding, which has really helped me to, uh, to better understand the book of Acts. So I know I'm grateful, and a lot of people are grateful, Brother Marty, for these studies that have been coming out. So let us get into them as you share what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God together today amen we're looking forward to another week as we uh we're about nine days or eight days away now from uh from election day here in the united states and uh i really uh woke up this morning with a great sense of of entering into uh a different level of of really prophetic events that are happening around the world and, uh, and and this week is going to be uh, driven in that direction. As we come towards the election in this country, we're going to be focusing, uh, if the Lord will allow us to, on things that are ahead. And uh, and and we're going to dig into the Word uh, in in a little deeper way today, as we continue to uh, to explore uh, Paul's journey to Athens. Uh, we've covered 15 chapters in the book of Acts, and we're well into the 16th chapter now. And we've, uh, as we got to the 16th chapter, a transition occurred. Uh, the division between Paul and Barnabas over John Mark has occurred, as we discussed at length in the previous uh, couple podcasts. Paul, for the first time, be, embarks on a missionary journey apart from Barnabas, and he selects his own ministry team. And it's very interesting because as we've begun to explore, 
once we head into the 16th chapter, that the whole tone of the book of Acts begins to change as the Holy Spirit begins to interject his will uh, in a much more profound and aggressive way. And three particular stories are revealed in the book of Acts that are uh, very much uh, driven by the spirit of prophecy, which is the testimony of Jesus Christ. So that's what we're going to continue to look at as we journey to Athens. And, and once we get to Athens, after going through all the things that we have discussed by the grace of God, it'll even be more full uh, in, in its, you know, in, in what we can glean from it, what we can learn from it, and how it applies to, to our times. Because remember, like we've studied, uh, the Bible teaches us that that which has occurred uh, in the beginning is that which will occur in the end. The pattern will repeat itself and will be in its fullness as the prophets have and holy apostles have taught us. So we're going to begin today's study. Brother Jeremy, uh, would you please uh, lead us this morning as we uh, as we begin to look and open our study up? Uh, I'm going to want you to read, if you don't mind, from the book of Acts, chapter 16. And if you could read to us verse 19 through 21 as we will begin our study today in Jesus' name. So if you have your Bible, uh, open them to Acts chapter 16 as Brother Jeremy begins to read to us verse 19 through 21. Thank you, Brother Jeremy. Amen. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers, and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city, and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. These men exceedingly trouble our city. So we're going to begin again today to explore deeper levels of, of, of the Word of God, um, like we've taught in the past, and we encourage those of you just joining us to go back and review some of the podcasts leading up to here. We, we, we really did transition like last Wednesday or Thursday into a deeper examination of what the Holy Spirit is, is actually revealing to us in these stories. And so I don't want to go at length trying to lay foundations for biblical interpretation. We just simply encourage you to to go back and listen to how we arrive at where, where we're at. But I think as we dig into it, those of you who have been following us for several months now, you're beginning to see the, the, the most fascinating uh, way in which God communicates to his children. The book of Deuteronomy tells us in Deuteronomy 29, 29, uh, that, that the secret things belong to God, but that the things which are revealed, they belong to us and to our children, that we may learn to observe, to obey the words and the commandments of the Lord. So as we begin our study this week, uh, I've really, really sensed a, a different flow is beginning to, to happen um, in our country and in the world as a whole. You know, these are very, very serious, serious times that we're living in. And, and the podcast, you know, that we've been uh, doing since, the middle of March of this year, um, they're not just merely Bible studies, even though we've learned a lot in our studies. They really are uh, the direction we pray. Humbly, we say such things uh, as we are led by the Spirit of God. And, and, and I would encourage those of you who've been listening, go back and listen to some of those early days 
and listen to what the Spirit of God was saying and apply what what we said early on to what we've seen actually transpire through the months. And I think you'll be astounded at what God has actually been revealing. But like we said, we've explored 16 chapters now in the book of Acts. And as we continue our journey with the Apostle Paul uh, to the great city of Athens, uh, we arrived in the 16th chapter of the book of Acts. And, and we've begun to see some very interesting prophetic overtones uh, that, that correspond to end-time events as we find them in the book of Revelation. The historical events in the book of Acts, again, as inspired by the Holy Spirit and recorded by St. Luke, uh, when we examine chapter 16, patterns begin to emerge. Patterns that appear to foreshadow uh, the end times uh, uh, as, 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 that are revealed in the book of Revelation, like we said. And that is what we continue to explore. So, Again, as we said, as we enter into the 16th chapter, uh, the tone of the of the historical narrative begins to change. There's a more aggressive sense of the Holy Spirit. Brother Jeremy, could you read verse six of chapter 16 so we can we can just include that in our thought today? Yes. Now, when they had gone throughout uh, Phrygia and the region of Galatia. And were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. So what we first see here and why we talked about the aggressive tone of the Holy Spirit uh, changing in the way that he leads and guides. Here we see the Holy Spirit forbidding them uh, to go any uh, in the direction they were intending to go. And this is to alert us who are students of biblical prophecy that, that something is shifting here. Something in the spirit is shifting because the intent of the spirit is to specifically take them into a direction uh, that he intends for them to arrive at for specific purposes. And whenever God does something, he does it in multiple layers of, of, uh, of action. You know, there's always the plain sense of what he does that we can easily see on the surface. But as we've discussed, he also does things by the spirit in levels beneath the surface and that is what we're looking at here so when we see words like forbidden of the holy spirit to go into a particular geographical territory it should alert us as students of the word of god that he's trying to to uh, communicate something at a different level you know he's guiding paul now and, and again we need to remember that this is paul the apostle to the gentiles he's being brought on his second missionary journey he selects his own ministry team, the prophet Silas and the young man Timothy become part of his ministry team. And as they set off, there is no problem in the places they're going. Really, basically, they're retracing uh, where they had originally been. Actually, Paul had originally been with, with Barnabas when in Acts chapter 13, we saw that the Holy Spirit had, had specifically separated Paul and Barnabas. And they went off on their first missionary journey. So in this second missionary journey, Paul attempts to go back to the places that they had founded churches in the Gentile world. But now he is absent Barnabas. He has his own ministry team, and he sets off to go into a particular place. And it's there that we see, as Brother Jeremy just read, that the Holy Spirit interjects himself in a very forceful way and prevents them from going in that direction. And then the second thing is verse 7. Could you read that, Brother Jeremy? After they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bith Bithy Bithynia, 
but the spirit suffered them not. Again, uh, they're being led by the spirit. The sense that they had in their own innermost being was that, you know, this doesn't feel right. We're not supposed to go in this direction. We're not supposed to go over there in Asia, the greater Asia. Um, so they're so they're going by faith, and they're they're, they're continuing to pursue, but but they haven't uh, actually come to rest in 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 where the Holy Spirit is leading them until we come to verse nine. Can you read verse nine, Brother Jeremy? Yes. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, "Come over into Macedonia and help us." So, so amen. So again, like we're talking about prophetic overtones here. Notice that up until this point, like we discussed uh, in the previous podcast, that that they're being led by the Spirit, the inner witness. You know, we looked in the Book of Romans. They that are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. So we're talking about the leading of the Spirit. But then, but then something changes. They arrive in Troas, and we're told in verse nine that it's a it's a vision that appears to Paul in the night. And and then what he sees is is a man uh, crying out to them, "Come over to Macedonia and help us." Now this is where we kick into high gear, because from this point on, three specific stories are going to be related to us in this 16th chapter. And as we've dug into it, we began to see that these stories are incredibly prophetic in the, in their overtone. They are foreshadows of end-time events. And, and Luke begins to hone in, as he's led by the Spirit of God, into very descriptive uh, language with much symbolism included in how he's constructing the sentences that are recording the historical events that they're actually living out. What's fascinating to me, and I don't want to go off on a rabbit trail here, but it is, is, the, is the component of history to prophecy, to early days representing last days. It's really quite interesting. And and something that I hope the Lord will allow us in the future to really explore. But it's 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 a fascinating thing to me that actual lived out lives um, in miniature are actually historical records of a dramatic drama that will ultimately be played out in the end. And what's unique about the 16th chapter and the three stories that are about to be related here uh, is that they draw our attention to something that for the student of biblical prophecy, uh, we will see that it, it perfectly parallels uh, the book of Revelation and the unfolding of, of end time events as revealed in the book of Revelation. And so what's fascinating to me is that while they're living these things out, the book of Revelation hasn't even been written yet. And it probably won't be right, written for another almost 30 years as they're going through this. But the three events that take place are, are very, very much a foreshadow of the end times, and we'll get into that. The first event, like we talked about, was where they were going geographically to what territory. We'll discuss that here in a second. The second event is the appearance of a, of a woman who has a spirit of divination. And then the third event is when they get thrown into prison, and, and particular events occur in the midnight hour. So we're going to examine these things, and I felt like we needed to I felt led of the Spirit of God, honestly, to go over these things again and to dig out some things that we're going to be needing to deal with. 
in verse 9, like Brother Jeremy read, this vision that, that, that appeared to Paul was in the nighttime. And so what that immediately begins to signal to us is that something ominous is about to take place, spiritually speaking. Because the Bible, again, is very specific in the language it uses. And whenever you see little keys like that, it's at night or it's, you know, there's a river or there's a, you know, it's midnight. These are, these are, these are uh, signals or triggers to, to the astute led by the spirit that something deeper is being expressed here. And when you compare scripture with scripture, that's, that's what we see. And so he has this vision. It's in the night. So it's meant to alert us that something ominous is here. Something uh, foreboding is being uh, described and, and because these specifics are given. And then what we, what we call the Macedonian call, right? Um, this man cries out, come here and help us. So that indicates uh, to us again that the tone that's being set here in this miniature drama is one of what we could almost call tribulation or, or turmoil. The man is in distress, and where he's in distress is very dis descriptive. It's in, it's in the territory of Macedonia. So we know that where they actually end up coming to is, is Philippi. Could you read that to us, Brother Jeremy, in verse 12? And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of, of that part of Macedonia, and a colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days. So they come out of being constrained by the Spirit not to go into particular territory. Then where they actually go, they get there by a vision. And, and they get there by a vision that was delivered them to them in the nighttime. And so all of these are very descriptive. Now listen, where they come to, like Brother Jeremy just read, is Philippi. And as we discussed before, this is very interesting because Philippi is actually the birthplace or the general territory there where his father Philip of Macedon is the actual birthplace of Alexander the Great. And we know that Alexander the Great uh, is a foreshadow of the Antichrist, of the one that will appear in the end of time, not too many days from now, I believe. And so what we're being shown here is that the vision in the night draws them to a man that's crying out for help. They come to Philippi, the birthplace of Alexander the Great, and and it's under the control, or they call it, uh, let's read that again, and from there to Philippi, verse 12, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and it says, a colony. And we know from history that what, that what Luke was trying to communicate to us there was, even though we're in a Greek territory of the birthplace of Alexander the Great, the actual system that's controlling it is a colony. And that colony is is under the control of the Roman Empire, the the beast systems. So we see two components here of the prophetic overtone that begin to emerge. First, it's Philippi, like we said, uh, it seems to be indicating the the spirit of Antichrist. It's the birthplace of Alexander. And secondly, it's a colony. So we know that that colony represents the Roman Empire. It, it, it is under the control of the system, the global empire. So it's with this understanding that signals are being given to us. Yes, it actually occurred. Yes, these are actual events that happened. 
But as we dig deeper into the spirit, something's being communicated to us, privileged information, if you will, in order to gain insight. And as we go into the other two stories, we'll see the perfect symmetry as it works itself out through what is revealed to us in the end time prophetic scriptures, such as the book of Revelation. So the next thing that we see is verse 13. Can you read that to us, Brother Jeremy? And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a river side where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the woman which resorted there. All right. Now, we're going to be talking to you about this in the way that we have already set forth in the last couple of podcasts from a very uh, prophetic uh, viewpoint as it as it pertains to the allegory, the metaphor, whatever fancy word you want to use as to what is actually happening here. Our attention is drawn to Macedonia and, and to Philippi in particular. And and so what we see also in verse 9 was that man saying, come help us. What we know from the book of Revelation is this very scenario is going to be played out uh, in the end of time. We know that a, a resurrection of, of an Alexander the Great type figure is going to emerge. The Bible calls him the beast from the bottomless pit, the son of perdition. We see foreshadows, types of him, like in, like in the life of Judas who betrayed the Lord, where the Bible tells us at the Passover that Satan specifically entered into Judas, and Judas became the betrayer of the Lord. Uh, he's a foreshadow of the Antichrist. And, and we see that run uh, throughout the scriptures, whether it's Pharaoh of Egypt, Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, Alexander the Great of Greece, you know, uh, the, the great uh, Caesars of Rome. Uh, these are all types and shadows, foreshadows of the one that is predicted to emerge in the end of time. And so when we see that Paul and them are being called to Macedonia to a colony or that general territory being controlled by the Roman Empire into the very city where a foreshadow of the Antichrist was born many years before, what we are being shown then is a miniature picture of the end time. So when we get to verse 13, we learn some things. Now, just stay with us so that you can learn and go back and listen to this so that it can help you if you're not familiar with this, these types of teaching. But we are being, we are being, uh, what's the right word? We are paralleling what Scripture already has revealed to us and revealing it in a, in a, in a most interesting uh, way that the Holy Spirit communicated it to us in the book of Acts here. So we're in this city, and, and all the symbolism that's being given to us is alerting to us who are alive in these times now, that something here is being communicated of a nature of a nature that 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 reveals to us our times. What do we see in verse 13? Well, without belaboring the point, the first thing we see is the Sabbath day. We talked to you about this before, that a day with the Lord is just a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. So when we reach the Sabbath day, it's the seventh day. It's a key, and it's meant to alert us to something, that these events that are about to transpire in our time will occur sometime within the seventh millennium. Why do you say that? Well, the scripture reveals to us that a day with the Lord 
is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. And so when Luke, inspired by the Holy Spirit, references the Sabbath day with all the foundation we've laid up until this point, we are learning then that a key is being given to us that the that that in this historical story by referencing the sabbath day we are being alerted that the seventh millennium if you can see it is the time frame where these events of the end time will take place so what do we learn that that that, that is revealed here in verse 13 what 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 is ne- necessary here is that it says in verse 13 on the sabbath day we went out of the city now again i can't I can't continuously apologize for these interpretations. <laughs> I'm not trying to apologize. I'm just gonna lay it out there, man, so whoever's listening, you can receive it, not receive it, but you need to compare scripture with scripture and see that we're not doing violence to the scripture. What we're being taught here is that as we approach these in time. We're going to see a particular, the spirit of Antichrist, because that's the territory that they came to. The fact that Paul sees a night vision and someone crying out, we need help here, it it, it sets an ominous tone. They come to preach the gospel, yes, but the truth of the matter is, is that the Holy Spirit has constrained them, and then these events take place. And we know that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so what's being laid down here, if you will, is a dossier of the end time and and particular points of interest that we can glean in uh, understanding about how we're to conduct ourselves in the midst of these prophetic events coming to pass quite possibly in our time. One of the first things that we see is that we're alerted that they have to come out of the city. And so it seems to indicate that there is there is a a lack of the ability to congregate in established uh synagogues or church buildings that they're in the city. It, it seems to indicate that they have to come out of that place if they're going to come to the river. <laughs> and we know that the riverside Wherever you read about rivers in the Bible, uh, for the most part, it's referencing the Holy Spirit. And so what we see is they have to come out of the city to to congregate by the riverside. And it's there that prayer is going to be made. And so we're looking at, at the flow of worship at the time of the end. And what we see in verse 13 is he goes on to say, we sat down. And then he says this, and we spoke unto the women which came there. And then after that is alerted or or revealed to us, Luke then draws our attention in verse 14 to a certain woman named Lydia. We'll talk about that in a second, but I want to talk to you about what's being revealed here. So apparently there's two types, if you can see it, because we're talking about the end time now, found in this story hidden in a metaphor and allegory. There's two types of churches that are going to emerge at the end of time. One, note that they all gather outside the city. So like we talked about, there seems to be an indication of some sort of trouble when it comes to, to this in that there is no public house of worship that is that is established in the city. And they come by the river, like we said, which is a type of the Holy Spirit, 
in the last days. Now listen, it says, what does he say here in in verse 13? He says, we sat down and he says this, we spoke to the woman, to the women who came there to where the river is. We know from the scripture that women are also likened to churches. You know, we read the Song of Solomon. We did a whole series on that. You read uh, in Jesus's parable of, of the ten virgins, right? The, the women are, are represent churches. And so based on that kind of prophetic interpretation, what we're being taught here is that is that the word will come forth by the riverside. But we immediately transition into verse 14. Because notice what Luke does. He doesn't draw our attention to all the women. He draws our attention to what he says. Can you read that in verse 14, Brother Jeremy? And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Theatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. Now there's so <laughs> there's so much uh, revealed there as we've talked about. So we have a group of women who come out by the riverside. They represent churches in the end time, but only one of those women our attention is drawn to. And I think what we're learning here by the Holy Spirit is the quality of church or community of believers to whom the Holy Spirit will actually begin to to move into that particular kind of life in these last days. See, what it, what we're told about her is that she she's a worshiper of God and she listened to the word and and she attended unto the things that were spoken. In other words, she took them very seriously. And it says that the Lord opened her heart. That speaks of revelation. So as we head into these days that are just ahead of us, what we're being told here is God is going to begin to turn his attention on a particular kind of church. As we talked about before, Lydia, her name literally means uh, one who travails one who is in travail. And so we know the conditions by these descriptive words are being revealed to us and that she is a seller of purple. This is important and remember that because she represents, as we talked about, a church that is royal, the true bride of Christ, because purple in the Bible uh, is symbolic of royalty. And so she is a seller of purple, but she is of the city of Thyatira. And she's no longer living there, but she's come out from there. That's where she was originally from, but she's no longer part of that. And when we've examined the prophetic scriptures, Thyatira is included in the seven churches of the book of Revelation. You can find that in chapter 2 of the book of Revelation, beginning around verse 18, somewhere there. But what existed in the Thyatira church was the spirit of Jezebel, the spirit of compromise that taught God's children in that church to engage in, in all things that, that are of the world and compromise. So it's very interesting that Luke would note 
she's she's of there, but she's no longer from there. And and so it seems to indicate a church that has walked away from that kind of worldly gospel, that influence of idolatry and fornication, which you can read at length, existed in the church of Thyatira. It is how the Holy Spirit communicates. And so this certain woman named the one who travails is royalty. She's no longer part of a compromised Jezebel-like church. She's a true worshiper of God. And, and she's able to hear the words and attend to the words which are spoken by Paul. And what we're being told here is a special opening of the heart initiated by the Lord himself is going to be given to that kind of a church in this hour. Are you with me? <laughs> you know, uh, in, 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 in verse 13, I'd like to point out um, this point where, where, where the Bible, you're speaking about that. Uh, they spoke unto the woman which resorted there. And, mm. and that word resorted, it brings the, it, it, what it means. It means this is the place where they assembled of coming mm -hmm. together, right? Which sounds yeah. nice in, in the surface. It sounds good. But now verse 14 begins to differentiate the type of, you know, uh, Lydia type of the church that, that's going to different. See, just because you're gathered together, right? It doesn't mean mm -hmm. that, that everyone gathering has the same ear. Because the Bible says that within those, right, there was a woman by the name of Lydia who attended, whose, whose heart the Lord opened. And I just wanted to bring that out because it's just something very small, simple, but I think it's, it's something that resonates, you know. Oh, that's, that's just, really good because just, if you dig, if you dig right. in there, right, what you're talking about, uh, if, we'll, if we'll just pause there for a second. That's an excellent point you made there because uh, our attention is drawn to the women that congregate, right? But like you said, mm -hmm. uh, it's only the certain woman to which we see these attributes given to, which, yes. seems, which, which would then imply to us, right, that not all the women who gather by the river, which is a type of the Holy Spirit, have the same qualities exactly. of this Lydia, right? Yes. That's what you're saying. Exactly. And that's that's yes. an excellent point because what that then implies is because what, what Luke wrote here, brother, in verse 14 is that she's a worshiper of God a true worshiper of God. And the fact that he emphasizes that she used to be of Thyatira almost seems to be implying, spiritually speaking, that these other women, though they're gathered by the river, even though it looks spiritual, right, because the river represents the Holy Spirit, they are not worshipers of God. Otherwise, they would have been identified as that, right? <laughs> yes, they, they, yes. they look like women. <laughs> they look like churches but only one really is a true worshiper of God. And mm. she has an ear to hear, like you said, right? Apparently they didn't. Because they all sat down there, right? Right. It, says that, it says that in verse 13, right? It says they, they spoke unto the women. See, this message isn't exclusive. It's going out to the whole church. We're, we're doing our little part with these podcasts, but we're speaking by the Spirit. And the message is going out. We hear from people all the time, emails, text messages, word of mouth, whatever. We've been hearing it for several months now. Many, many people are gathering by the river trying to hear 
from the Spirit. And even though the word has come to them, they don't hear it. Many have come and gone or whatever. But the truth of the matter is, is that the kind of word that is going to be brought forth in the last days in our time is a spiritual word. Otherwise, the riverside wouldn't have been emphasized. It's there that the apostles sat. And it's there that the word went forward to all the women. But not all of them could hear. They were women in the... Go ahead, brother. <laughs> you know, good. Brother Marty, you, you mentioned on Friday, and you mentioned it before on other times, you spoke about the necessity of activating those antennas. <laughs> you know, yeah. we spoke about it a little bit on Friday, and that's what Lydia had, something the word connected with him, right? The Lord opened up, right? Her heart was open, and those antennas, Right connected her to something much deeper, that this wasn't just a gathering of people just bringing the word, right, preaching the gospel, you know, or, or just or just praying. There was something more. You know what I'm saying? And, and yeah. that's what's going to separate the Christian today, and that's got to be our prayer today. That's what we are being challenged, to begin to think more than just your usual gathering at church or whatever, you know what I'm saying, or message for us. No. Yeah. Our antennas have to be activated for the prophetic, for the things mm -hmm. that are happening. You know, I don't think it's a, um, uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that we're studying the Book of Acts in the manner. Now, we've heard many beautiful messages and commentaries on the history, how the church started, but I think it's not a coincidence. I know it's not a coincidence that God is having us understand the Word of God and seeing now. The book of Acts as prophetic, yeah. you know what I'm saying, and yeah. as as we speak of these last days. So, you know, I, I think that, that, that goes along with what we've been speaking about, those antennas that yeah. you have spoken about. And that, that's what you're – that's a very good point as well, because if we dig into this, like we said, and the point that you made is really good, because they all gathered by the riverside. They have access mm -hmm. to the same spirit. And it's there that the apostles are sitting. It's there that they're speaking to the women. But what you said about the antenna or tuning in, I think the way I described it was, was that once yes. our born again spirit has been given to us from above and merges together with our soul and the Holy Spirit comes to inhabit us, it, like Jesus said, he will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he hears, and he will reveal it to us. And we talked about like a radio tuning in to, to the signal to pick up what's being broadcast or a satellite dish locking yes. on the signal, right? Our spirit locking on to, to a deep calling unto deep, as the Bible puts it, and being able to right. hear what God is saying. Now, listen, the, again, another point you made, which is great. I think we see it here in verse 14. Because notice that what is put forth before uh, the identification of her ability to hear is her is her heart of worship, right? It says, a certain woman named Lydia, verse 14, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us. And we we could go over that and not see just how deep what Luke is saying and what the Holy Spirit is revealing. The true worship of God 
opens the ear. And so it implies that the kind of worship was lacking from these other women. They're not identified as worshipers, but Lydia is. And 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 I don't know how many of you out there, uh, I know many of you that, that are with us, you know what it is when you worship God or you've been in, in a service, let's say, where, where the presence of God is. His presence comes where worship is. And and if you remember what Jesus said in, in, in John chapter 6, when he said uh, that the Lord, when he was talking to the woman by the well, he said that the Lord is looking for those who worship him in spirit and in truth. And so what we see here is 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 an indication of an end time church. They are driven by the worship of God. They're no longer in Thyatira. <laughs> They're no longer part of that compromised church. They've come out from there. But they will find themselves in a situation that is at the end of time being driven by a global system represented by the colony of Rome and by the spirit of Antichrist growing. Something is altered in that there is no public house of worship that they can go to. They have to come out of that system to, to find the river. And it's there by the river where the word of God is flowing. But even if you take all those steps, if you're not a true worshiper of God, then you will not hear what is being said. And that is what was revealed here in verse 13, and that they spoke to all the women, but it was only the woman Lydia, the worshiper of God, that actually heard what they were saying, and God opened her heart, which speaks of revelation. Because remember, we were comparing Scripture with Scripture. That's mentioned uh, when uh, when Jesus was resurrected from the dead, when we did our whole series on a day, one day in the life of, of the Lord, or whatever we called it. Um, when when they compelled uh, the resurrected Savior to come to their home on the road to Emmaus, remember? And it said that, that right. he, he opened their understanding. He opened their eyes, and they saw him when he broke the bread. It's that same principle here. And I don't want to lose sight of what we're talking about because you pointed it out so well, is that we're talking about our time now. We're talking about the end of time, and we're talking about those that will truly hear and truly be given the information necessary um, from the Lord uh, will be those like Lydia, whose hearts are, are in travail for what they see, who are considered those who worship God. Their ears are opened to what he's saying, and he reveals by opening their hearts what it is that he's trying to say. So that's what we see here as we're going on in this in this prophetic understanding from this historical story. What's the next thing we see in verse 15 and 16? Can you read that to us, Brother Jeremy? And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. And it came to pass that as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. By soothsaying. So this is really interesting. Again, in the prophetic flow of how we're looking at it as it relates to end time events, this 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 seller of purple, this woman of travail, 
this worshiper of God who can hear the word of God, whose heart will be opened and, and have given to her a, a revelation of the spirit of God as he, as he designs it to be in these last times, is now at a point where her entire house is being saved. And, 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 and that is really a, an encouraging thing because even though we're headed into some very uh, difficult days ahead, what we have here being revealed to us, if you have ears to see and, and, and uh, hear and eyes to see, is that those of you who have pressed into God and continue to do so in spirit and in truth and truly love him and his word, he is going to... Uh, bring your entire house into safety and salvation. It is his promise. That is what happened to Lydia. And not only that, but as it says here, if you can see it, she constrains the spirit of Christ to come into her house. Now, it is from this point that we no longer see Lydia again until the end of the chapter. And there's a prophetic reason why. But, but this is the part that troubles many people. And the thought of it is really beyond the current understanding that I see a, as a whole in the church. Because what we see is that we're not going to see her again until the end, but she brings them into her house. And it's a hint. It's almost like a hint or a prophetic, you know, implication in the last days that the true church is going to go into a, a position of stealth, a position of hiddenness, because she comes into the house and constrains them to come into the house. And then she disappears for the rest of the chapter until the end. In verse 40, she reappears again. But we'll deal with that more than likely tomorrow. But just remember it, because I think what God is revealing to us is that a whole different type of, of, of reality has come upon us. Again, remember, we're talking about the territory of Macedonia being sim symbolic. We're talking about Philippi, the city itself, which is the birthplace of Alexander the Great, a foreshadow of the, of the wicked one that's yet to come, the Antichrist, a colony of Rome, which indicates that beast system that dominates the world. It's when these things are beginning to happen that 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 this true church is going to have a revelation given to it, this worshiping, travailing church, whose ears are open and heart is opened by the, by God Himself, and will realize that blessed position of having the presence of God in this story, represented by Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke, come into their house. And when the story transitions, now the next thing that we see is a woman full of the spirit of divination, but Lydia's in the house. She's hidden in the house. Now, this reminds me, and we're talking about end-time events again, of Isaiah, because the same kind of thing is put forth there in the prophet Isaiah. Could you read that to us, Brother, Derry, over, Brother Jeremy, over in the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter 26? Could you read to us verse 20 and 21? Yes. <clears throat> Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation be overpassed. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place 
to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. So here we have revealed to us by the prophet Isaiah that that a time will come in the future. And in verse 20, he says, come my people, enter into your chambers and shut the doors behind you and hide yourself. We see a type of that in what happens to Lydia in the prophetic unfolding of the 16th chapter of the book of Acts. After she is has encountered these apostles in this very descriptive prophetic and metaphoric uh, story that we've just been discussing, she then goes into the house and, and, and they go into the house with her. In essence, the spirit of Christ has come into her home and she shuts the doors. And because the way the 16th chapter unfolds and she does not appear again until the 40th verse, what is about to unfold from that point on is a furtherance of information that's given to us and patterns that we're meant to look for. Now, what Isaiah says in chapter 26 is the same kind of, and he's more specific now, because he, he talks to his people at the time of the end, and he tells them that it's going to require the church to hide itself. And this is the part that troubles people, because we still have in this country, especially, uh, this this misunderstanding, if we're living in the times that we think we are, of what it is that we're supposed to be doing, and that we're being called, quite possibly, to come into a position where we're not so out there and aggressive. He tells us specifically to hide ourselves. And he says the reason that is, can you read to us verse 21, Brother Jeremy? Of uh, Isaiah? Yes. Yes, okay. I'm sorry about that. Let me go right back to 26, 21. (laughs) Here we go. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover He's coming is the point. And in the time of his coming, it's going to necessitate his people to hide themselves. Now, I don't want to be scaring nobody. But again, this 16th chapter emphasizes the guidance and the direction of the Holy Spirit at a level that we haven't seen this aggressive with this kind of descriptive language in the historical account of the actual stories as we do see in Acts chapter 16. And so like we told you, we're taking you through the scripture and showing you the parallels and the prophecies and how they line up. Because what we're being given is specific information on how to guide and direct our families in this time. Don't think Everything's going to go back to the way it was. And we're doubling down here because we're coming down the home stretch. Much is about to be decided within the next several days that is going to set the tone for the next several years. And if we're not paying attention to the parallels, the allegories, the metaphors, whatever, (laughs) you know, we're going to be caught unaware. And we're going to be caught 
absolutely confused and not knowing what to do. Listen, it is it is a sad thing to me. Now, I'm not saying there won't be churches anywhere. There might. I just don't frankly see where they are right now. <laughs> but it might happen. I don't know. But the truth of the matter is, is the church ultimately is going to have to go underground. Mm-hmm. Wow. See, <laughs> that's not something people want to hear. But what do you mm-hmm. think the scripture reveals? Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on that, brother? It's underground everywhere else. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yes. It makes sense to me. And and again, I think it has to do with the the kind of uh, uh, theology concerning the end times or eschatology that's, you know, been uh, taught to the church to where, you know, uh, the American church um, is exempt you know, I've heard American teachers teach eschatology uh, or teach the book of Revelations, uh, you know, according to the light that they have. And, right. and they're preaching to an American congregation. And, you know, he's talking about the, the plagues in the book of Revelation. He's like, yeah, but don't worry. Most, most of that will be centered around the Middle East. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. it's like, they never saw this pandemic, which it's hit the whole world. Yes. You know, so this is what we're trying to tell the people. You need to go back and analyze what you have been taught, what you believe. Some people, they haven't even been looking for the coming of the Lord and they're Christian. You know, they've been looking for the, for the, for, for prosperity, you know, the American dream to continue on. Well, I mean, that's come to a screeching halt right now. You know, you got some of the most richest people right now in Orange County, in this nation, and they're evacuating mm-hmm. their homes. Mm. 60,000. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and, and you know what, brother? That's a powerful point you just made. That's not just 60,000 people. That's 60,000 homes. Homes, right. Right. <laughs> so we could we, wow. we could be talking maybe a hundred, a couple hundred thousand people, maybe you know. Oh yeah. Definitely. And you talked about you know, that, um, that's one of the richest right. areas in Southern California, right? Mm-hmm. Where the money is. Go ahead, brother. I'm sorry. Really? No, this is good. I I want to see if I can connect something because uh, you said something uh, uh, powerful about Lydia. You said the last time. That's the last time we see Lydia mentioned in verse 14 and verse 15. And tomorrow, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about when she reappears in verse 40. But I, I want you, there's something here that I believe the Holy Spirit had Luke note. And it's the last thing that it says about Lydia in verse 15. Mm. The last thing that the Bible says about Lydia is that she constrained us. And I think that's a very key detail to understand where where we last hear about Lydia, what is she doing? That word constrained means to compel. Hmm. It means to entreaty. It means an earnest, I feel the presence of God, an earnest and humble 
request. It means a petition, an appeal, a plea, a cry. Listen to this, you that are listening. A cry from the heart. That's what she was doing. That's where the Holy Spirit leads us. The last detail we get that she is found in treating the Lord, seeking the Lord, petitioning the Lord. And then we go into verse 16 where where we see this this damsel that comes in. But I think that leaves us an example. And you can elaborate more with the Mario Brother Fernando if you want. But but what I see here is is there's this is a key of what the true people of God should be doing in this hour. Yeah. It's compelling, petitioning. I don't see that. I see people remodeling their churches. I see people getting ready to get back to things to normal and back, you know what I'm saying? But yeah. because we don't want to accept it, we don't want to see it, but that doesn't, whether you want to see it, whether you don't want to talk about it, whether you want to ignore what, what someone is saying about this, it's going to happen. What is God asking of us? Are we constrained? Say, God, you got to help me. Or what we're going into, you know? And that, that's what I saw. I, I think that was a detail that's, that, that's there. And by the Spirit, he's trying to tell us of what we should be doing in this hour. Yeah. So, and, and you the, brought, you, Brother Marty, you brought up the question, you know, or you made the statement, you know, churches want to go underground. We have to ask ourselves the question, what is the Holy Spirit saying by Paul going outside the city quarters next to this river where there's prayer going on? What is the Holy Spirit telling us? Why didn't he find Lydia in the city? Right? Why did he have to go outside? What is that speaking to us prophetically? Is the Holy Spirit, and this is where you have to pay close attention and come to a decision. Is the Holy Spirit telling us and speaking to us today that what Paul did is a picture of what will happen in the last days where you're not going to find the true church, right, in, in, in the middle of the cities as, they, <laughs> as, they, as they're right. accustomed to being, right? Uh, but could it be that such was the case in that city where Paul was searching, because that was the commandment of the Lord, right, to find a house of faith, enter into it, you know, right. and, and share the and share the gospel. He couldn't find any. So he was driven by the Holy Spirit to go outside the city walls to 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 to, to find this, this young lady named Lydia, right? What's the situation this dire in the city? And again, you brought about how Macedonia was a colony of Rome, and how that speaks of of the, of the of the spirit of Antichrist and the spirit of the age that took over that city, and 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 it could profe- it, 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 and I do believe that, but this is where the listener has to consider that it speaks of what will take place in these last days, to where yeah. you're where you're going to find the true move of God, the the moving of the spirit, of the river is going to be outside of this system. Incredible. Yeah, that's precisely it. And uh, and again, you know, we reemphasize the, there were multiple women there, you know, and, and, and yet the attention was drawn, like Brother Jeremy was just saying as well, um, to those that, that cry from the heart, those that compel, 
them to stay. I like what you said there, Brother Jeremy, as well. He said that's the last thing we see of her is she's 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 compelling the spirit of Christ. She's compelling the men of God, so to speak, but they represent Christ to stay with her. Now, if we're interpreting something at a very deep level here correctly, then at that point, the pattern should then shift if the flow is the same as it is revealed in the book of Revelation, because it is, and it does. Because what we see next is, well, first of all, let's talk about this. Like Brother Fernando was pointing out, why are they having to go outside the city? And could it be that the system itself has now, because remember, it's a night vision that he saw that brought them there to begin with. It's a, someone saying, help us. So it's an ominous tone, you know, come here. And and then ultimately the story ends up in the house of this travailing one, this Lydia, this royalty, a seller of purple, this constrainer of the men and of, of God, the one who worships God, the one who can hear, the one whom God opens the heart the one who saves her whole house and then shuts her. She brings them into her house and that's it. We don't see her again until the end of the chapter. And it's very incredible. So it's being implied, which is why we went to Isaiah 26, that she is safely in the house. But the reason that she's not heard from again is because she's being hidden by the spirit of God. And, 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 and that is what is, is promised in the book of Revelation is that there is there are both two components are going to happen here. There will be a church that is required to go through a persecution and and a uh, and in some cases a martyrdom, you know, in other parts of the world it's already happening. But there's also a church that has a promise from the Lord Jesus Christ himself in the book of Revelation that will be kept and protected like this Lydia. Let's take a look at that. Because it's the only place he says this and it's to the church at Philadelphia. Let's take a look in chapter 3 of the book of Revelation, Brother Jeremy, and just read that verse to us um, in verse 10, when, he, when he, he gives them this promise. Chapter 3, verse 10 of the book of Revelation. Yes. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. So here we have a promise given to the Philadelphia church. And there are many old timers that used to say because it's the sixth church and then it goes into the Laodicean church, that it's representing the final two age, uh, ages, you know, or the final two churches that will exist at the end of the age. You have a compromised church that has shut Jesus out in the book of <laughs> Revelation chapter 3 when it addresses the Laodicean church. And he's standing on the outside knocking, trying to get into the house. But you have a a, a a, a church that has been tried and, and gone up under all kinds of scrutiny, and yet he has promised to keep them uh, from this hour of trial. He calls it the hour of trial. And notice what he says, it's coming on the whole world, the whole earth. And yet we have here a promise that he will protect them. That word keep, literally, uh, if you actually re uh, research those words in there, it has the idea of like someone standing on top of a, of a ladder you know, and looking in all directions, 360 degree direction, and, and able to see any trouble coming from any direction. And he promises to to protect those uh, that, 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 you know, from, from that horrible thing that's coming on the whole world. And so we see that type in Lydia. 
she's the compeller, like Brother Jeremy said. She's she's the one that that draws them to the house and 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 keeps them there. And then she disappears from the story. Why? Because she's hidden. She's protected. And so so we hope that we are counted worthy. Remember what Jesus said in one of the things that he told us to pray. He said, pray uh, that you would be counted worthy to escape the things that are coming to pass on the earth and to stand before the Son of Man. That, that should be our prayer. God, help us to be in that position, that we would be counted worthy like Lydia was or like the Philadelphia church shall be and all those that he shall preserve because we do know that the tribulation, the great tribulation will be cut short for the elect, for their sake. So there will be a group that makes it through. Some won't, some will. But to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord either way. But our point is, is that we're given in the stories here hints at how to navigate and conduct ourselves, not only for the preservation of our own lives, but for the preservation of our entire house and the kind of heart we're going to need right now. Not not 10 years from now. <laughs> I mean, right now, man, we better start working on this stuff right now because time is running out. I'm telling you, time is running out. And, and, and we're going to need to compel him to come, compel him to stay. We need you, Lord. We, we, we're desperately in need of you. Yes, we're not perfect. Yes, we're flawed. Yes, we all need work by the Holy Spirit. But God, deep down in my heart, I can't go on without you. So help me, Lord. Whatever you got to say to him. But don't let him go. Jacob said it, right? I'm not letting you go until you bless me, man. Well, Lydia, she was a worshiper of God, one who could hear. Begin by worshiping him, thanking him, worship him, that he gave you another heartbeat, that 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 that, <laughs> that you woke up today. You know, whatever the issue may be, thank him and worship him, and he'll open your ears to hear what he's saying to the churches. So Lydia disappears in the story you know, narrative. Go ahead, brother. There's also a sense of, of normality that is still going on even after she constrained us. And I say a little bit because in verse 16, you know, it looks like they were doing something that they were they had begun to do, which is it came to pass they went to prayer. But all of a sudden, something is interjected there, right? Here's the yes. damsel possessed that comes and changes the whole situation, you know, which we're going to get mm -hmm. into. But I just want to mention this because I think, you know, in, in obviously things are not normal right now in our time right now. But people right. are beginning, and, and you have to be careful not to uh, fall into that trap, like if everything is going to go back to normal. But what happens, you know, like many people, you know, we're going to open on October uh, the 30th. Get ready, all right? And now all of a sudden... Right. You know, it's like it's like it's playing with our mind, right? Like if we're going back to normalcy, and and but 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 then it's not normal, right? It's okay, just right. a few more weeks. Okay, things are getting better, but don't don't get fooled. You know, things are not going to be the same. You know, and I just wanted to to, to bring that out because there's still a sense of normality because they're going right to go pray, but all of a sudden yeah. it comes, and this time yeah. it changes everything. Yeah, and in, in a minute, yeah, you're right, because now that Lydia is off the scene, what's interesting is we have, like you said, Brother Jeremy, uh, this certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination. Now, go back and listen to Thursday's podcast we dealt at length uh, 
with that spirit of divination. Uh, what that literally is in the Greek is that word where we get the word python or snake or dragon. We talked about this dragon and the story behind it in the Greek culture, representing uh, the mother who gives birth to the snake, uh, who, who, who dwells in the heart of the earth. So once Lydia is hidden in the house, what we then see is this damsel emerges in the hist historical narrative, right? With the spirit of divination. She is, she is, in essence, a representative of the next thing that's revealed in the book of Revelation. We call her the mother of harlot. We call her the spirit of Babylon. And really, she, in verse 16, she, she has the, the characteristics of that. Notice how that she's also tied to economics. Could you read verse 16, Brother Jeremy? Yes. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. Right, or, or prophecy, prophetic utterance is basically what she was. But listen, she has the characteristics of a false church controlled by the spirit, the Babylonian spirit. Now, what does she seek to do in verse 17, Brother Jeremy? What does she do? The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God would show unto us the way of salvation. So what we're being alerted to here is a false church controlled by the spirit of Babylon, really this, this, uh, this snake, this dragon. Uh, but what she seeks to do is attach herself to the gospel, right? Because that's what she's doing. She's following them and attaching herself to their message. These are servants of the most. I mean, it sounds good, don't it? I mean, these are servants of the most high God. They're preaching the way of salvation to us. What's wrong with that? But it's false, right? Now, don't forget, Lydia's in the house. She's off the scene. She's being hidden when this next woman emerges. She's full of the devil. But yet, there's a there's a sense of, of deception here in that she tries to attach herself to the men of God that are preaching the true word of God. See, the false begins to emerge in full force once God protects his true church and begins to remove her from the public square. That's what Isaiah revealed. Come into your chambers, my people. Now shut the door behind you. Hide yourself as a, for a little moment because a whole bunch of stuff's about to go down. Just to put it into modern language, right? So Lydia's in the house. The false, this false emerges in full force. She's actually the opposite of Lydia. Can you read verse, uh, chapter 17, verse 4 to us as we enter into the description of this, this mother of harlots? Because that's what we're seeing here. Can you read that to us, Brother Jeremy? Uh, 17 of Revelation. Yes, verse 4, as we, as we look at the okay. description of this yes. false woman. Yes. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and perils, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And what's written about her on her forehead in verse 5? 
And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. So notice what it says in verse 4. She carries with her some of the same characteristics of Lydia, right? She's a woman arrayed in what? In purple. Lydia was a seller of purple, right? <laughs> so she's she's really this deceptive church. She's this that's what's being revealed here. She's clothed in purple. She represents or looks on the outside like a church. That's why she attaches herself to Paul's message in verse 17 of the book of Acts chapter 16, right? These are the men that show us the way of salvation. These are men of God. She's saying all that, but the truth of the matter is she's controlled uh, by the spirit of the dragon. She's an ancient spirit. Consider uh, she does represent, and if she does represent a false church, uh, then, then this is why we're commanded uh, to come out of her She does represent A, a false church Listen Look at uh, Where is that scripture at uh, I think it's in 18 Yeah Look at Speaking of this Mother of Harlots What are we told In chapter 18 Verse 4 Brother Jeremy And I heard another voice From heaven Saying Come out of her My people That ye be not Partakers of her sins and that ye receive not of her plagues. Of her plagues. Interesting phraseology there, right? But <laughs> it, so I'm going to ask the question here. She is a false church, but she's a church nonetheless. She's really like a type of a corrupted, you know, filthy church that's truly corrupted. That's what that woman is in the book of Acts chapter 16 there, this damsel of the spirit of divination. She attaches herself to Paul's message. She calls him a servant of God. She she says they're preaching the gospel to us. But the truth of the matter is, she's corrupt and false. And what's interesting is that what you just read in, in chapter 18, what's being commanded to us there in the book of Revelation, he says, come out of her, my people. Which seems to indicate that, that she's, she's, she's that religious system that's corrupted. Because his people are, are part of it. Right? In verse 4, come out of her, my people. So a command goes forth and a separation occurs. We saw that with Lydia. She came out of Thyatira. She leaves the city. She goes into a house. She compels the spirit of the Lord to be with her. She goes off the scene, and then this whore of Babylon emerges, represented by the damsel with the spirit of divination. We, why are we commanded to come out of her if we weren't part of her? She has become a fully corrupted church like this woman. Now listen, I'm going to say something here. Understand, this mother of harlot, she has her origin all the way in the Garden of Eden. Go all the way back to Genesis, man. We see her in Eve's seduction of Adam she began there really once Eve listened to the serpent right because that's what this damsel is possessed with the serpent she turns to her husband and gives him the forbidden fruit and the whole thing gets messed up right well that she is the mother of harlots 
goes all the way to the Garden of Eden, and she reemerges again when we see her uh, in Shinar, right in Babel. When you under, we talked about you know Tammuz and and uh, Semiramis and Nimrod and that whole trip right there in Babel. So she emerges there again, and and her seduction has flowed through every global empire since then, since the Garden through the Tower of Babel. In Egypt, she was Isis. She, Isis is called the mother of gods. Interesting, right? In, in, uh, to the Babylonians and the Assyrians, she's known as Ishtar. To the Persians, uh, she was called Anahita. To the Greeks, she's known as Aphrodite. And to the Romans, she's Venus, but it's the same mother of harlots. What's interesting to me is this spirit of Babylon, this mother of harlots, it morphed itself, if you if you know your biblical history, into the Roman Catholic Church in the third century, right? When the when the when the young church had emerged out of the first and second centuries, then Constantine claims that he has this vision and he he decides to to Christianize the entire world. And 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 so she began to morph herself into an institutional church in the third century and would spread throughout the entirety of the West. And this is going to make some of you mad. But that same spirit has, has come to rest in, in a nation at the end of time that is made up of the chief components of all the previous empires and the global empires of the past. It's founded on it. She's a false church, she's arrogant, she's a consumer-driven church, and she's a seducer. <laughs> I believe, brothers and sisters, she is the, 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 the backslidden, charismatic, and Pentecostal church of the United States of America. That's where her spirit has come to rest. The corruption of this American Judeo-Christian quote-unquote nation is at such a level as to ensure its judgment now. That's where we are. See, now I just made a whole bunch of people mad. But once you get over your madness and the Spirit of God continues to deal with you, you're going to see and you're going to know we're telling you the truth. That mother of harlot spirit has come to rest in this nation and now she drives policy she drives religious policy political and domestic and international policy and military policy it's a sign to us the evangelical community has attached itself to the political agenda of this nation and it is thoroughly corrupt <laughs> Praise the Lord, Brother Marty. Amen. Uh, <laughs> all right, look, man, it's it's the last week before the election, so I'm just gonna I'm just taking off I'm taking it off and just letting it fly, man, because that's where we are. See Lydia had to recognize this. Lydia had to go and hide herself. And once she is removed from the scene and has come out from that whole system, this this spirit emerges, and we've seen it happen in our generation. Do you think Paula White 
is pure as the driven snow? Are you kidding me? This woman who has had multiple adulterous affairs has had three husbands and the one she's married to, married to now is the rock guitarist from Journey. And, and this is the chief spiritual advisor of the president of the United States. Are you kidding me? The chief counsel of his evangelical uh, community was, was uh, Falwell. We all know what happened to him. And I can go down the list. It's the establishment, it's the elite, and it flows into the realm of the spirit, pseudo-spiritual, right? They claim to be the prophets and the charismatics and, the and you know, sitting by the river. They, it is that same spirit that has come down through the ages and has come to rest flat, flat right smack dab in the middle of this geographical territory. Why don't, you, why don't you just take a dollar bill out of your purse or your wallet and take a look at it? Why don't you look at the symbolism that's on that bill? Because you'll find Egypt there. You'll find Rome there. You'll find, <laughs> you'll find the Greeks there. You'll find them all. And you'll also find the all-seeing eye there, representing the Luciferian society. So, you know, I'm probably, probably going to not have anybody listening to us tomorrow but that's okay. You had to listen up to this point. Are your eyes open? Can you see? Listen, Paul represents the spirit of Jesus Christ. In verse 18, the spirit of Christ comes forward to deal with this woman, this corrupt woman who represents the whore of Babylon. She's a consumer-driven nation. The spirit of her comes to rest at the end of time on a consumer-driven nation, a compromised nation that clothes itself in a pseudo-Judeo-Christian garb, purple and, and scarlet and, and gold, and, and has been responsible for the seduction of the entire world. Lydia's in the house. She's hidden. There's a true church within a church. Come out of her is what is commanded in the book of Revelation. And Paul in this story representing the spirit of Christ, he turns in verse 18 and judges her in the name of Jesus, the authoritative name of Jesus. See, when when this this nation possessed by the spirit of Babylon is judged, yes, God is going to allow uh, the beast that she rides to, to burn her with fire, but it's actually the hand of the Lord that does it. Can you read verse uh, chapter 18, verse 8, when it deals with the spirit of Babylon, brother? Jeremy, would you mind reading that? Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she, be, she'll, and she shall be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judges her. It is God that judges her. Just like Paul, if we go back to Acts chapter 16 now, after many days, it says in the book of Acts, he turns and in the name of Jesus judges her. And he casts that, that spirit out of her, but she fades from the scene. She's no longer there anymore. What are we being told? Listen, she has to be removed from the scene. But there's also a protected remnant. That, that's represented by Lydia. 
They're no longer part of her. They're not part of that system. They're not, they're, they're hidden in the house. See, this is the pattern that is seen in the book of Revelation. The, the whore of Babylon, the spirit of her, is burned with fire. And if you go on to read it, it speaks of a specific geographical territory. Her spirit comes to rest on a nation that is bordered by two main bodies of water. She sits on many waters, it says. She's made up of every tribe, every nation, every tongue. And, and ultimately, she has literally ridden the beast or, or the global empire, and they hate her. They've allowed her to ride them for a long time after many days, right? And, and, and she claims to be Christian, right? These men are the servants of God. These men show us the way of salvation. She attaches herself to the message. She's a, she's a picture of a compromised, full-fledged, bearing, blossoming spirit of Babylon that's come to rest there. When she's judged... As we've talked about before, if you look up, look in, in Revelation chapter 18, go back there again, Brother Jeremy, because the same pattern emerges in, in Acts 16. Because when Paul casts out this, this spirit, it says it, it happens to her in one hour or in the same hour. And then the result is, is that the merchants who made money off her begin to be angry and lament her because she's no longer profitable to them. It's the same pattern that happens in the book of Revelation. When she's when when what you just read in verse eight, in her plagues will come in one day, death, mourning, famine. She'll utterly be burned with fire. For strong is the Lord that that judges her. But look at verse eleven, ten and eleven. Can you read that to us, brother Jeremy? Ten and eleven. Yes, standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, "Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour." is thy judgment come and the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her over her for no man buyeth their merchandise anymore <laughs> my lord now read verse 15 through uh through 18 would you the merchants of these things which were made rich by her shall stand afar off for the fear of her torment weeping and wailing and saying alas alas that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls for in one hour so great riches is come to naught and every shipmaster and all the company and ships and sailors and as many as trade by sea stood afar off and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, what, is, what city is like unto this great city? Incredible. So it's a city that, that, that bring that the boats and the giant cargo ships of the entire planet come to this geographical place. It, it's a merchant megapolis. It's, it's a massive nation, but one that wraps itself in all the trappings of what appears to be symbolic language now, purple and scarlet and gold and precious stones, it appears to be Christianized. But it's not. It's actually controlled by a wicked uh, spirit of harlotry. And what has flowed out of her is that she has seduced the whole world 
<laughs> with her consumer-driven, lust-filled self, and 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 the and and what's being revealed is that the political powers that have been dominated by her, it is God Himself that's going to turn the system, which is being moved upon by the devil Himself, to burn her with fire. And it is why they don't even come near her, because the judgment is going to be so severe that it'll frighten the whole world. And, and, a, and a whole new economic system is going to emerge. We see hints of that in chapter 16, in that she is judged, and, her, and the merchants who made money off her become angry because they no longer have a means by which they can enrich themselves. It's the same pattern here in Revelation chapter 18 when we're talking about this nation at the end of time. The judgment that is coming upon this land, and brothers, you can attach yourself to this if you want to or not, but I'm going to say it. It is coming to this country. It has begun. The corruption at every single level, from the smallest PTA board meeting to the tiniest little city council, up to the mayor's offices and the governors and, and the state legislatures, across 50 states, going all the way to New York City and Washington, D.C. The corruption of this country is so great and so evil and so full of darkness and the demonic that it necessitates that, that it be judged. They were talking about this in the late 40s. Billy Graham's wife who told him, if God doesn't judge the United States of America, then he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. That was 1950. Where are we today? And it's why God is trying to call his Lydia's out. You better lay low. I mean, who do you think we are anyway? We're going to wrap ourselves in an American flag and suddenly we're going to find religion? And we don't deal with the sin that is so easily beset each and every one of us? We don't even try to fight against it anymore. No, we embrace it. We, 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 <laughs> we license it. We sell it. We get on TV and, and we soak up the widow's might. We, we, we don't feed the poor. We don't clothe the naked. Our brothers and sisters that suffer all around the world, we don't care. Are you kidding me? Just don't take away my ball game. Don't cut off my cable. Don't take my, 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 my internet away from me. God forbid I, I, I'd feel like I was under persecution if that happened to me. Give me a break. The corruption is so thorough. If you've been paying attention at all to what's been happening over the last couple of weeks, we have just had revealed to us that the corruption reaches up to the very highest levels of political power in this nation and has been going on for decades. We have been being revealed to us that there are, there are, there's rape of children, there's drug abuse, there's the infiltration of the land by the enemies that once used to stand afar off. They're now all up in our government. And we've got Christians walking around the halls of power absolutely intoxicated by it all. It's begun. And if you don't see it, I don't know what to tell you. But it's time to be like what Brother Jeremy said, to let God move in your heart and compel him to come to your house. Isaiah told us 
You go hide yourself. I'm telling you, you better lay low. You better do what the Spirit of God tells you to do. I don't mean to be yelling at you. I'm yelling at the devil, and I'm yelling at a church that long ago forgot who it was and what it was meant to be. And now it wants to, you know, call its prayer meetings in Washington, D.C. and think God's going to flip a switch and everything's going to be all right because we don't want to suffer. My God. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Ah, We love you. Love all of you. Remember, Lydia is in the house, and that's where we left her. But this damsel in Acts chapter 16, uh, she gets dealt with, man. And now what happens, Brother Jeremy? Attention turns to the other side of the church, the, 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 the Jews, really, right? They become openly persecuted. See, she has to be taken off the scene until the next phase of the end time comes. The only thing that has stood in the way of a global dominated system has always been where Western civilization came and like a wave crashing on a shore. When the nation began so many years ago, it began in the hearts of those who crossed oceans to seek God, who cut covenant with the Almighty, and after 240 years, has become absolutely and thoroughly corrupted from our political systems, our judicial systems, our educational systems. Every system, including what has morphed into this, this abomination that calls itself the church, that darkens its churches, that sits on television and begs for money, like Brother Jeremy was just saying earlier, there's this big-time ministries remodeling their churches as if they think they're going to go on forever. They're spending millions of dollars. And in the meantime, we've got people, good people, in the church that have lost jobs, whose businesses have closed down, that are hungry, and, 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 they, and their children, they're having to go to food banks. Have you looked lately on the news, some of our major cities? You've got people two, three-mile-long carpools waiting to just pull up so they can get a bag of groceries to feed their children, and, and, and you preachers on TV are begging for more, more money for what? So you can live in your mansions and drive your 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 fifty thousand eighty thousand dollar Mercedes cars and, and and you know wear your fancy suits and turn on your lights your camera your action it's all coming down all of it <laughs> oh my goodness can't you see God help us. God help all of us. See, it only takes one. See, Lydia was one for an entire household to be safe. And I'm warning you out there. I'm telling you. I'm trying to encourage, really, the true church out there. Because let me tell you something. You're enough. Rahab was enough <laughs> for her whole house. You know? Lydia was enough for her whole house. It only takes one, man. But do it while you can. Because it's going to be burnt with fire. It's going to be burnt with fire. I'm, I, Washington and New York, both of them. Mark my words, it's coming. 
How long? I don't know, but I feel it building. See, that's why the desperate cry. That's why the urgency of the spirit, the man that appears to Paul in the vision, come help us now. Oh, God, we need help now. I'm telling you we need help now. I need help. You need help. Our children need help. All of us need help. That's what the Holy Spirit's revealing to us here. See, all those women came to the riverside, but only one, only one. She represents those of you out there. You can sense it. Maybe you can't give voice to it. Maybe you haven't been able to describe it, what you're feeling, but you're feeling it. You're sensing it. The shadows are growing long. The Holy Spirit has been telling us and warning us all year. Have you got a little extra food set aside for your children? Have you been thinking about your mom and your dad and what, maybe they ain't got no money and they, they're going to need your help? Have you thought about your neighbor next door who, who maybe isn't as blessed as you? I'm just putting stuff out there for you because they're coming for us, all of us. And God help me to tell the truth. Now, I'm either absolutely insanely crazy and I've just lost my mind or we're hearing from God. Choice is up to you. But you won't be able to say on that day, as crazy as I've been in my life, you will not be able to say on Judgment Day, Brother Marty, you knew and you didn't tell me. That's what God was telling you and you kept your mouth shut. No, sir, that ain't going to happen. I will do one thing if I don't do anything. I'm going to tell you Jesus is coming and that there's safety in only one thing and one thing only, and that's the blood of the Lamb. She has to be removed. And when she is, attention will then turn uh, toward the next phase, and that's where we'll pick it up tomorrow if you still want to join us. <laughs> oh man. Uh, God help us all. Brothers, help me out of this hole I dug myself into. <laughs> Say something, man. <laughs> Tell us what the spirit of God uh, is. There's, there's, there's no hole. I mean, it's, it's the truth. It's, you know, we apologize, but we don't. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. it's. It, it's 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 what yeah. we are compelled to do. Um, it's not easy. It's not easy because we self-examine ourselves first before we come to the people. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I can remember having uh, in my own life private conversations with my wife and seeing the the uh, the the scope of the church, right? in the direction it's going and seeing the nation the way it's going. And I, I would ask her the question, you know, are we not open for judgment? You know, is God not just in judging us? He is, you know, and I, we're seeing it. We're seeing it. Yeah. And we've had these conversations as well. You know, yeah. I mean, look, look, look at look at the direction of our nation. Look at the direction of our political leaders. Look at the laws they're passing. I mean, look at the church. Look at the preachers. Uh, I mean, if we if we can't see that, if that's not speaking to us, 
then we need to repent. That's just the bottom line. We need to repent. So everything you said, brother, and you know in, in our conversations that we had along with Pastor Jeremy, uh, I'm in complete agreement, 100%, that this is where we're going, this is what's coming, and God is sending forth his word to warn us. We must wake up. We must wake up. Yeah, I, I concur with, with both of you. Um, you know, when you hear this, it's you know, it's not easy, brother, saying these things, right? No. And but then I think of then I think about Noah, who for more than a hundred years had to preach a message: a flood is coming, warn the people continuously. And and I think about how many people rejected, mocked him, but he was faithful. And um, my heart is compelled, you know, as you were speaking, you know, you feel like crying, shouting, you know, because you sense the times that we are living. And God is speaking to you. You better listen. God, the Holy Spirit is Pleading. It doesn't matter where you find yourself today. Discourage. Away from God. What do I do? God is dealing with you. He's beckoning you. To come. As Lydia did. All her family followed after. Don't hold back. Don't wait for your husband. Don't wait. You come and the Lord will bring your family. We feel your heart. I got a family that I cry out for on a daily basis. For God to have mercy on them. For God to have mercy on me. And I know God is dealing with hearts today. Take a moment. Pause. Go to your room. Go to a place where you can find yourself alone with God. And speak to him. And acquiesce to what he's telling you. And you ask him all the questions that you have. All the doubts. All that you let him know. He will answer you. He will send his spirit, his word to comfort you. But listen. We have to repent. We have to recognize our fault before we can look at anybody. Look at yourself. Analyze. Let the Holy Spirit reveal to you this message today, this cry that came from the Spirit of God. It's it's, it's the Holy Ghost in this last hour dealing with you. Come. 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 He's knocking at your door. We pray that you can acquiesce to what he's saying to you in this hour. My brothers, anything else to say? Just that Lydia, like you said so beautifully earlier, Brother Jeremy, she compelled them 
from her heart to come to her house. God will always come where his, he's wanted. And I know that all of us, all of us, we're, 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 we're being examined. And, and sometimes we may not like what we see there. But if you'll give it to him, you may not even understand everything, but, but if you just give him your heart, and talk to him and tell him. He already knows anyway. Show him. And he'll heal you and me and all who call upon him in sincerity and truth. We have to get ready. See, I don't know what happened to the church over the last <laughs> 40 years, really. You know, I don't know what happened other than what the Bible told us would happen, but I mean... It, 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 and how it emerged in our country that, you know, we go to church as, but, but we don't really, we've come to the place where we don't, we, we, we don't even consider, like Brother Fernando said, that, that Jesus is, is coming, that the Bible has told us all along that these days would come. I mean, what is it that we thought? You know, was, God was like some seasoning that we sprinkle on our lives and, you know, we go, we go, he's like a buffet table, right? We go pick a, a little bit of healing, a little bit of faith, a little bit of prosperity. You know, God help me get the parking lot, at, uh, parking spot at the mall, or, you know, let my kid get in the car. And we've, we've minimized what God did on Calvary and, 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 and morphed it into some sort of you know, platitude that, that is designed to make me feel better about 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 myself and and my life in America. What happened? Because it, it it's always been about salvation of our souls and a better world to come. Do we really believe that? Or are we so asleep that we can't see? What's really happening, you know, while all this craziness has been going on in our country, we've got enemies around the world that are positioning themselves to destroy us. Right. And we found out just in the last week and a half or so, right, our, 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 a man running for president is bought and sold by the most wicked, evil system on the planet today in China. And and the level of corruption from the Epstein's to the Clintons to yes even the Bushes and the and, and and the Bidens and and go down the list, man. For years this has been coming. And 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 precisely when we need leaders, and I don't consider myself a leader at all. I'm just a guy, okay? I'm just a guy who loves God's word. And and what I see, I tell you. Now, I've been all over the world, and I've preached the gospel all over the world. But as I come to this, my, you know, I'm almost I'm 60 years old, okay? And so I come to this point now in my life. And after all that is said and done, I don't want no title. I don't want no moniker. I don't, I don't need no uh, lauding or, or applause of men. I don't care about any of that stuff. All that matters to me right now is that my children are saved. And that those I love make it through. And that the word of God that has been revealed to us by these great holy men that we've been studying for several months now all together. 
that they have that, that their words have echoed down the corridors of time and they've come to rest in our generation upon whom the ends of the world have come. And God help us to believe what we say we believe. Because it's Jesus told us that if we know the truth, that it'll set us free. It'll set us free from that depression. It'll set us free from greed. It'll set us free from lust. It'll set us free from addiction. It'll set us free from 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 everything that, that seeks to oppress and destroy, to kill, to seal and destroy. He'll set us free and and elevate us into a position of the magnificent hope of the children of God. It's either real or it isn't. But the witness and the voice in my heart, it tells me he's real. See, they overcame him by the word of their testimony, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives, even unto the death. I used to think that's such a morbid thing, you know. Christianity, it's all obsessed about dying and death and, you know, persecution and martyrdom. And, and I, and I used, to, it used to bother me. Until I began to realize he's not talking about death in the absolute uh, sense of cessation of being. He's talking about it in such a marvelous way that he had victory over it, that everything around us testifies. We have seasons. They testify that, that, that there's life and there's death. But the fact that there's death is, is, is the travesty of all things. But this is the meaning of Calvary. He took upon himself all of that. And then the meaning of the resurrection. He emerged from that tomb victorious, and he holds the, the keys of hell and of, and of the grave and of death. And he beckons us like, like the great conductor at the end of a dark tunnel. The hope of that light, as John described him, the light that lights every man that comes into the world. He's made a way. And this brief moment of human history, whether it's 5,000, 10,000, however many years it is, it's coming to an end. And then all of it, like the Bible says, is going to be folded up like a garment. And there's a new heaven and a new earth. And all who can hear the voice of the one who's beckoning us from that place where nothing dies and where every tear is wiped away, that's what you've been hearing all your life. That's what I've been hearing all my life and that is what is calling us home now it's the gospel and and the lord he stretched himself far and wide on calvary in every direction his arms could not have been stretched wider and we must run into those arms before they're closed yes because the right <laughs> because the day is here and it is the most glorious time to be alive. Because where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Let us take our line in that long, glorious march towards Zion with our brothers and sisters who have gone before us. That noblest of all callings where we set our sights on things above and not on below. As this world is passing away, it's dying right before our eyes. So gather your loved ones. Open the Bible again and start to read it. Because it's God talking yes. to you. And it's the greatest love letter ever written. 
Oh, Lord, help us to see. Help me to see, Father. That's my prayer for you and your family. It's going to be all right. Don't be afraid. Understand. I would rather know. Have you ever remember when we were little? They said, I got some good news and some bad news. Which one do you want first? Give me the bad news first. Because <laughs> <Right? laughs> I, once I can deal with that, the good news will even be more sweeter. Well, yes, things are coming to an end. That's the bad, bad news. But the good news is those that know their, their Lord. There is a destiny awaiting the church that is far greater than, than a billion dictionaries could ever describe. And Paul said it, that this momentary light affliction, it ain't worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Hallelujah. Be, hallelujah. Be encouraged. Glory to God. Well, Jeremy, I don't know what else to say today. Man, <laughs> so much to say. And um, we, we want to thank you for spending this time again with us. I know the Holy Spirit is dealing with us. I sense it by the Spirit, even though it hasn't happened yet, but it's going to happen when you listen to this. <laughs> yeah, you're already seeing it. You know, it's, it's no longer about the days are coming. No, the days are here. I'm, uh... I want to leave you with this. Lydia was already a worshiper of God. But before persecution came to her city, she needed she needed to hear what these meant, the word that Paul and Silas brought to prepare her. And I don't think it's a coincidence that you're tuning in and, and hearing three crazy dudes, right? <laughs> uh, with no position, no schooling, no not, I mean, you know, but there's a word of God that you need to hear, that you've been tagged with so that you can take to others. It was of necessity. It was of urgency that the Holy Spirit brought Paul and Silas to Macedonia. There was a Lydia who needed to be saved and her family. May God bless you. May God keep you. And as always, keep looking up.